up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Too Many Men. It's Eric and Zach. Yep, just the two of us today. No one else. <laughs> so we said that we were going to do an episode on Thursday. Yeah. However, none of us were available on Thursday. Yeah, I had a last minute change with my work schedule. My dad had a, I was supposed to be going to work tonight, and now it, it was moved to last night. So bit of a scheduling conflict and unless you want to hear me talk for 45 minutes to an hour yeah <laughs> uh without without any uh any companionship but uh no i'm kidding the other reason we didn't really do anything on thursday there wasn't that much headlines no there weren't none. i mean besides uh this the pga and anything and you know the playoffs that that's like the yeah. two biggest things that have been going on right now and we're pretty much in the mid-year, you know, dog days of summer for baseball. So, yeah, and it's it's the it's every year where we yeah, have this thing. First couple of weeks of June, yep. Uh, really, post playoffs where we talk about, you know, yeah. like what, what there's not much, especially once. I mean, we're getting to the end on the the final. We're getting, yeah, we're getting into the end in what has so far been a very entertaining NBA Finals, yes. uh, NHL playoffs beginning to wrap up we've got the stanley cup to talk about we're going to preview that a little bit next week but we're going to start with the story that zach really wanted to talk about yes which there's this there's this drama in the pga tour about certain golfers going to compete in this separate series now zach like i said you really wanted to discuss this i'm gonna let you lead the discussion on this part so this new golf league that is backed by Saudi Arabia, like people, big guys in Saudi Arabia, uh, they started a golf tournament with, I forgot who it was. That was, he's an American guy that is doing all the promotion and everything for it and trying to get these players to move over. They're offering these guys hundreds of millions of dollars to be like, Hey, ditch the PGA, come over by us. We'll, we'll play some cool tournaments here. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen some of the rules that the, that this new tournament is doing. And I actually really like it. Yeah, it's kind of wacky and it's different, but yeah, it's something like, that's like it's going to change the way people look at golf. Like the team aspect of it is really cool. I think that's it's going to be a lot of fun. They they announced I was looking at their Instagram the other day and they they had all the different team names and the colors with all the players that are in each team. It's a four-person team and I think uh there's going to be two sets of standings throughout the year, solo players and then team standings. Now the PGA got a little cross about finding uh this out which it makes sense i mean they're literally poaching some of their top guys and how do you respond other than i mean especially the biggest one phil mickelson i mean how do you take such a superstar like that do you see his photo on the red carpet i did not actually okay because he is looking more and more like emilio estevez every i did see the scruffy beard from his (laughs) uh the the tournament yesterday and we we love phil he started to live it's liv uh, golf uh, league and they started their first tournament yesterday. And at first I had uh, anyway. at first it was a, a picture of Phil wearing his master's blackout jacket. And then I forgot what happened, but I know after the, uh, like just before he teed off, he had switched the jacket, taken it off. I think it's because the PGA announced that they're suspending all the people that moved over. So I think he was in like, ah, oh, screw this jacket. I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. This is, that's what I this is what I call the protest and rebuttal jacket. Yeah. <laughs> but they the PJ Tour suspended 17 current uh players, some huge big names, Justin Johnson and Mickelson being the two biggest ones. Kevin Nah. Yeah, DJ and Mickelson's a big one. I saw DeChambeau. DeChambeau just confirmed today, actually. Yeah. Um 
and we didn't know, and we didn't know what was going to happen with the Shambo, but I mean, it, it's just crazy how this so easily, in the blink of an eye, the PGA Tour is in shambles. <laughs> it's just not good for them. And then, then you know, and two, like they're starting their first tournament in I think the PGA is in Canada this week. So I feel like it's just like it's not a huge tournament. So I, I mean, if they're not doing it every week, I don't haven't seen the live schedule yet. But I mean, if they're not taking up all the big PGA tournaments, I don't see a huge problem. Yeah, it's not it's but, not a direct conflict. No, I mean, but to be fair, the PGA does like they usually have all these big names in every tournament, at least more than half of them. So, like, I get it. They want to keep those viewers, especially now that they're on ESPN Plus and they have that wide range of, you know, access throughout the whole weekend of watching. You know, you can watch specific holes, different groups. So it's just it sucks for the PGA, but I'm a little excited to see what happens here. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing is injury. You know, even though golf is still, you know, it's a light movement sport, you really don't have it's a tough sport but it does require a lot of movement still yeah. though. There's always that risk for injury. There's a reason it took Tiger Woods so long to come back from his back injuries. Oh yeah. So there's always that risk too, but I'm thinking more of a direct gate, right? People mm. pay to see Bryson DeChambeau, Phil yeah, Mickelson. They, pl- they pay to see all of those guys perform and you lose those. You're losing that fan support. Yep. And you're losing all those people that are, are going specifically to, I would love to go and watch Tiger Woods for 18 straight holes. Oh, and that's what people do. They go, they go watch their golfer for 18 straight holes and they're not going to get that as much uh, now with all these guys leaving. Back when the PGA championship was originally this, this past year's PGA championship again, right. Was supposed to be not too far from where we live. And I was debating then when I say we, I mean, both of us, um, I was debating whether or not I was like, do I stick with one golfer and just follow him for 18 holes? Or do I just stick at one hole and see all the different golfers? Yep. It was like, it's a tough it's choice not, to make. It really is. But the, the crux of that story is there are people who will follow these golfers from hole to hole to hole. Yep. There's going to be no reason for them to go to these events. No. And I and think it, that's more of the issue. Yes. And I, and I do see, I mean, I have two quotes here from live golf because they had a statement right after they banned all of the 17 golfers that had switched over. They, they called that a, a vindictive and uh, a vindictive punishment. And it depends, uh, it deepens the divide between the tour and its members. So it, it's, they're not wrong, but it's understandable why they're doing it is because they're trying to make people. Well, also, I don't think it's going to do that much. Because if you have Liv and their executives coming up to these golfers, say, we'll give you $150 million to come play for us. I don't think they're really going to care. No. There's a lot of tournaments in the PGA Tour. You don't even make, like, uh, nearly that much. Like, like, they're all rich, yes. If you're winning tournaments, you can win upwards of, like, you know, a couple million dollars. But you're getting paid all this money to, to switch over to this new tournament. I mean, how could you say no? Yeah, exactly. And in a sport where money is king, yeah, oh yeah. That's that's the number one. It's all about the prize pools of all yeah. of these tournaments. So that's an ongoing story. So there's a lot still that's going on with that. It's it's very up in the air right maybe now. Maybe one day we could get a uh, you know, maybe one day they'll start to co exist and That'd be nice. like uh 
live versus PGA Tour at, at Augusta and, or something like that. I and mean, that would bring in ratings. It would. That it would really would. Ton, I think. I think it would be good for golf. It would be. Uh, but still, long way to go to get there. Yeah, I don't think it won't be any. Not going to happen anytime. There, there's a lot of bad blood in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start with the MLB because it seems that's where most of the headlines have been. Uh, we are recording this on Friday afternoon, and last night the Anaheim Angels won their first game in over two weeks, defeating the Boston Red Sox, giving Phil Nevin his first win as manager. Uh, and they did it in pretty, pretty decent fashion. You know, yeah. I saw a three-run homer by uh, Velasquez. Yes. Um, it's a good start. But, but now, I mean, well, the, the Mets have to sweep them. I don't care what anybody says. It's got to happen. Also, nice job not sending Cindergaard. Yes. Against the Mets. Well, I, yeah, I think it was more of like to get it. Like he, he would have been in his head if, if he played against us. I mean, granted, you're skipping a start and going to play the Dodgers, but I feel like it, you would still have a clearer headspace playing the Dodgers than the New York Mets. I like how they said extra rest. Like, that would have been six full days, almost a week of rest. Yeah. Like, that's not true. No. <laughs> you, you don't want to play in the Mets at City Field. Yeah, no. It's it's the last. No, no, we're in, we're in the end. We're in L.A. Oh, we're in L.A.? We're, we're in Anaheim. Oh, still, though. There's going to be a lot right. of Mets there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if this was in, because I remember going to Mets Angels at City Field, and literally all of us were just in that area for Trout, <laughs> trying to get an autograph. I um, mean, and good news for the Mets tonight: McGill on the mound. Very exciting. We're getting the healthy. Stud, the stud is back on the mound. Siler is back, baby. I'm ready. ready. I, I did see yesterday that uh, uh, Scherzer is ahead of schedule. He's thrown off a mound. So I think within the next couple of weeks, I mean, granted, we've made it. Like the fact that we're still like this much over 500 and we've had no pitching and we've had some people get hit by pitches and get hurt. I'm not upset about the stretch that we've had, especially, you know, it's San Diego, whatever. We'll move on. Forget about that series. We got to win this series here and keep going and pushing on until everybody gets more healthy. From one New York team to the other. Yankees have a big three-game series this weekend against the Cubs. One of the rare times the Cubs uh, come to Yankee Stadium. And originally, Marcus Stroman was was supposed to pitch against the Yankees. Oh, was he? Uh, I believe he's going back on the IL. Good. I I mean, either way, he would have gotten shelled. (laughs) The way this Yankee lineup is hitting, Stroman would have been throwing softballs in there, and they would have been hitting home run after home run. Stroman... Uh, his start, I believe it looks like it's been postponed, yep. but uh, yeah, it's the Cubs right now are in a weird spot. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're in a weak division, a very weak division. Oh yeah. A division that each team is on at least a three game losing streak. Believe it or not. Uh, Stroman's last start came on. Oh my God, game. you're right. Yeah. I, I Milwaukee just has that. lost six in a row. St. Louis has lost three in a row. Pittsburgh lost three in a row. Chicago lost three in a row. And Cincinnati lost two in a row. Yeah. That's not a good look. <laughs> Marcus Stroman is going on the injured list with right shoulder inflammation. So he will not be facing the Yankees tonight. This is the man who said, I'd rather retire than play for the Yankees. Yeah, well, he's 
should have picked the Yankees if he was going to leave the Mets. I mean, he should have stayed with the Mets realistically, but I, well, I digress. Probably uh, this year, Stroman has an ERA of 5.32. Uh, yeah. He's in 47 innings. I wouldn't have wanted him. I didn't really like him when he was here. He, he always pitched, you know, he would get out like shelled and then get out in the fifth inning and he'd be immediately tweeting on his phone about, like pitches that he threw and you know one throw to first that he had but yeah you, you lost like four nothing that, so I don't that know. was my problem with marcus on the mound when he was a met lights out yeah loved him well but when he know. had that bad start when he had that occasional bad start it was always going to social media yeah you know and i think that that's where the conflict came in and when yeah. he said that when he said the stuff he did about the mets in the offseason i think we all looked at each other and went this ain't going to work. Yeah. Like it's just not. Um, but the reason I want to talk about the Cubs is because this broke about 10 minutes ago. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier, he said yeah. some stuff about returning the Yankees mm-hmm. returning the Yankee stadium. Uh, that's not going to happen. He just got DFA. Oh no. <laughs> or Chris Martin's return from the injury list for the Cubbies. Okay. So the mm-hmm. Clint Frazier revenge game at Yankee stadium. It ain't going to happen. Not this time. Not happening. <laughs> Uh, I would have loved him to come back and hit like four home runs in three games. <laughs> oh, could you have imagined? That would have been great. I was thinking, I was like, oh man, either Rizzo's going to go off or Frazier's going to go off. And yep. now uh, Frazier's going to be Rizzo more than likely. It's going to be Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, it just will be. Um, we're talking about people getting sent down. Might as well talk about people getting called up. Um, Gabriel Moreno, the top catching prospect for the Blue Jays, a name, Zach, I know you've heard of. Yes, of top- one of the top prospects, I believe he's the number four overall number prospect. Four, yeah. Just got called up. Yep. He makes a Blue Jays lineup even more stacked. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're trying to find any way to get more wins on the board because they got to compete with the Yankees at the top of this division. And it's so hard, you know, to keep up with the team that just keeps on winning. <laughs> yeah. And you look at what Boston's been doing recently and you look at what Tampa's been doing recently. Yeah, I mean – and who are they? Oh, they're 33 and 23 right now. Tampa Bay is good. The, the Yankees, they just can't, they can't lose. It, yeah. It's um, in AAA, uh, Buffalo, Moreno has 136 hits, or sorry, 44 hits and 136 at bats. That was, I was saying, if you had 136 hits, it'd be the number one process in baseball. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's hitting for 324 with one home run, 23 RBIs. Um, and that is a triple A. So nothing but good things so far coming out of Toronto. I would like to see that win total go a little bit higher, but again, with what's been going on with the Yankees and how dominant they've been, uh, Toronto's got some, got a hill to climb. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm confident they're going to make the playoffs, but I can't see them winning the AL East, especially with how stacked that's been. Uh, a team that's not currently in the playoff picture, who was supposed to be, is the Chicago White Sox. Now, this was a little bit of drama, I believe, Wednesday night. Trey Turner at the plate for the Dodgers, White Sox and Dodgers having an interleague series uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. And there's a 1-2 count on Trey Turner. Trey Turner, one of the best hitters in baseball. Mm. don't think there's anybody debating that. In a little bit of a slump right now. But what does manager Tony LaRusa do? He intentionally walks Trey Turner. 
on a one-two count. Yeah, that makes no sense. And like I said to you before we started the show, he's relatively slumping as of late. So, like, to do that when you have him ahead in the count and three pitches to work with, you could throw three straight curveballs into the dirt and just see what happens. I guarantee you there's like a 50-50 shot. He swings at one of those three curveballs in the dirt. Yeah. And, again, you had a one-two – you were one strike away from striking down Trey Turner. Trey Turner this year hitting 302 – uh, on the year and eventually it it didn't pay off it actually cost the White Sox and the Dodgers ended up uh, ended up having a, a home run off the bat of Max Muncie on the next batter oh so it didn't even matter yeah <laughs> and it ended up resulting in an 11-9 loss yeah that'll happen for the pale hose you just gotta you gotta be aggressive in a, in a two-strike count you can't just be walking, giving him a base when you already have two strikes. Yeah, Muncie hit a two-run double afterwards, and it gave the Dodgers a 5-4 lead, and that was a lead that the, uh, the Dodgers did not relinquish. Yeah. Um, quotes from Larusa after the game. Is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? Do you know what Turner hits against left-handed pitching with 0-1 or two strikes? Do you know what Muncie hits with two strikes against the left-handed pitcher? Is that really a question? We had an open base, and Muncie happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. I guess. I mean, but everybody in that – it's just like the Yankees lineup. Everyone in that lineup can hit a home run at any pitch. If you have somebody at a one-two count, you might as well try and throw one out of the zone and see what happens instead let's, of getting from the base and then pitching like that to Muncie. Let's instead give it to all-star first baseman Max Muncie. Yeah. I, the designated hero at this point. That's absurd. now patrolling first. But, yeah, the White Sox, they're in a slump. And I put this in our, our group chat. Is La Russa the next guy to go? Because that's the way it's trending. I think it's a possibility, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I don't know, they might keep them till the end of the year, considering that the division that they're in is winnable. I haven't looked at the, the stats of it recently, but I, I'm, it is winnable. They're only five games out. The White Sox are 26 and 29. Yeah, I mean, if they start going farther down under 500, yeah, I think it's a big possibility. But, I mean, if you can stay within a five- to four-game stretch of the teams in first, I don't see any reason to get rid of them. Especially because you have such a good young core there that, I mean, they could just turn around. You have a whole second half of the season to go. The Sox were one of the favorites going in to win not only the American League, but the World Series. Um, They are – also in the discussion, we talked about the Angels uh, a couple of days ago. They're also in the discussion of one of the MLB's more disappointing teams. Oh, yeah. Um, but Philly hasn't lost under Rob Thompson. How many games have they played, though? They played seven, and they've won all of them. All right. You know, so <laughs> including, again, we were talking about Milwaukee. Milwaukee's lost six straight. Philadelphia's won seven straight. Then NL Central is a dogfight. Yeah. But Philly – that's the positive momentum they wanted to see. Maybe firing Joe Girardi was the solution. Yeah, maybe it was. Who knows? But we want to talk about a different NL East team. Miami. Oh. So apparently there was this 90-minute closed-door meeting. Yep. What, I think, was it just players? I don't know if it was players or management. I know Andy Slater had a lot of the scoop on, hmm. uh, on what was going on with this meeting because very quickly – it made the rounds uh, to uh, 
to uh, baseball Twitter. Yeah. Uh, from Andy Slater, Marlins closed door meeting on Tuesday included these topics, work ethic, effort on and off in field, and how some players dress going to the ballpark. So it doesn't say whether or not it's, it was players only or upper management. My guess based on that is upper management. Um, yeah. But the other quote tweet that he had was Jazz Chisholm was the subject for criticism in this meeting and is being compared to Dennis Rodman. Yeah, that's not a good not a good look for you, especially to have a he's a, a young superstar, believe it or not, or could be a young superstar in the next coming years. Could this just be another one that the Miami Marlins have to trade away and watch them succeed and other on other teams? Yeah, because we've seen it happen with so many different. So Ray Amuto, Yelich, uh, Stanton, Stanton. They let Marte go. Marte, yep. Uh, they traded him away, and I know we're missing others. There's know? plenty of them, yeah. But now you look at Miami right now. Yes, they're not right now a an over 500 ball club, but they still got some really good pieces, including two yeah. NL Cy Young front runners and Pablo. All they need is some some good pitching. Well, they have some good young starters. I love Sandy Alcantara. He's a great workhorse who can go deep in the game. Might win Cy Young this year. Yeah, he could. Could absolutely see it. Been pitching great. It's just they, they need a bullpen and they need a few more bats and they could be a decent team. Yeah, here's something I completely forgot about. Miami had last year's NLRBI's leader in Jesus Aguilar. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And reminded that they brought in Jorge Soler yep. in free agency. Yep. No, so they're a powerful team. Yeah, they, they have the pieces. It's always been for Miami. This has been for almost a decade or however long we've been following baseball, they can't get those pieces to, to mesh together yep. for whatever reason. Uh, maybe it's usually it's because of a tough division or, you know, they can't hold on to these players so long that they develop properly. Yep. It's been a combination of different issues in Miami, but anyway, this closed door meeting uh, is, is not, not what you want to hear. No, not good for Chaz Chisholm. And we are big Chaz Chisholm fans. Yes, we are. Because we think he is going to be a superstar in this league. Start off white hot this year. Um, but you know, we'll we'll keep on keep on the loop for this story. But yeah. right now, as long as it doesn't impact the Marlins on field performance, I think this is a non-story right now, but still yeah. could be you never know knows where it gets. Who knows? Maybe he's a, a possible trade target for the trade deadline. That would be something for a lot of teams. Uh, Again, I think that's if there's a bit really, really that's a, yeah, that's if something comes out and they they're like, all right, there's there's a problem in this locker room. Yeah, but, if, if if there's reports like he's a locker room, like if he's a locker room distraction, yeah, I think that's going to be what you don't want to hear. There is one more baseball note that I wanted to mention before we move on was Francisco Alvarez, who was slumping in the Mets farm system hitting eight home runs in his past 12 games. I think he went four for four the other night, and he's on fire. So So I'd love to see the 19. I think he's 19. He's either 19 or 20. But either way, one of our young, great prospects, slugging. All right. And I'm excited because we have two dead people, dead bodies, catching for us between James McCann. And Nito's come in clutch here and there, but not all the time. Yeah. They're still hitting under 200. Mazika, I I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he's just there because he has to be. 
moral moral of the story is uh catching prospects in baseball uh good good things we're hearing what's adley rutschman making an impact immediately on the great impact game moreno getting called up alvarez raking those were baseball's top three catching prospects joey bart yeah san francisco uh he's he's off to a pretty good start i believe this season yep so Again, we were worried about how many catchers there were going to be in baseball, but now these prospects are really starting to get into their own. And don't forget, Henry Davis, the first overall pick out of Pittsburgh, yep. also a catcher. Yeah, uh, He was picked first overall in 2020. And also, best wishes to Casey Mize, uh, undergoing Tommy John. Yeah, yep. Now we look to see. But it's probably be- – sometimes it's better for them to do it early on in their career in the minors than to do it in the majors. Yeah, and the thing is, Mize got – uh, 30 starts under his belt last season for Detroit. Um, so far this year, it's not really been what you're looking for for Detroit. But so far this season, Casey Mize, uh, in two games, he's only pitched in two games, 0-1, ERA 5.40. But you said it. You know, you want to get that arm really, really healthy. Yes. And you'd rather, if it was to happen, obviously you never want to see a player go through Tommy John surgery but you'd rather it happen in the first couple of years of your major league career than to happen, you know, in the peak of your career in the next couple of years when you're, who knows, maybe he's throwing gems every time he goes out there. You'd rather it happen now and be able to work, know how to work with it in the future. Also very good to see Steven Strasburg return. Oh, he did. After, did after all he's been through. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, I, a lot of credit to him because he's been, he got roughed up a little bit in yeah. the start, but still it's been over a year. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, and he's like the only pitching, you know, uh, star, star that they've had. Like they've had a few over the past couple of years. It's the only one that's still there. So good to see him. In 4.2 innings, Strasburg gave up eight hits and seven runs. So that's not good, but for not pitching in over a year. I'll give, I'll give him a, it's one back. start. It's yeah. one start. He's getting um, his feet back on the mound for the first time in a while. It's going to happen. Since the 2019 World Series, Strasburg has only made eight starts. Wow. Which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's really the uh, the top stories coming out of baseball. Mets are on Apple TV tonight. Very upsetting. Okay. Yep. Mm. And we get that. I, I don't know why we don't get the good crew. I like I like the, the late night crew. Just please give us give us them. Have them just switch for us. I'm not a fan of the whole Apple TV thing, and based on what I'm hearing, a lot of a lot of people it's, aren't. Yeah, I mean it's not the best, but at least one out of the two crews is bearable to watch. You know. Yeah. And I I've really enjoyed the Peacock uh, Sunday morning baseball though. Yes, that has been a pleasant surprise. Yes. And I actually like baseball like right when we wake up. I wake up right away, put it on my TV, and watch a baseball Sunday morning. I'm better. I'm telling you, Hawaii during sports season is the best because you can be eating breakfast in your hotel room and watching. You know, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Giants, Cowboys. Hell yeah! Like that's that's it's really kind of wild. But speaking of the NFL, um, a couple big stories here uh, coming out of the NFL. The uh, the Commanders have fined Jack Del Rio a hundred thousand dollars based on his controversial remarks on Twitter over the January 6th uh, capital incident. Um, listen, I think that was the right move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, he apologized, but it was... You got to have some type of action taken. Something had to give. Them. Something. 
And I think especially with Washington being a organization that has been through so much turmoil over the past couple of couple of years, couple of decades, even, I think you have to start trending in that, that culture shift. Oh, for sure. In, in that direction. So yeah, Jack Del Rio is going to keep his job for now as defensive coordinator of the commanders, but a hundred thousand dollar fine given to the former NFL head coach. Uh, the Rams signed Cooper Cup. He is now tied to the Rams for the next five years at $110 million. Contract. I mean, he's worth it, though. The contract he signed the other day was three years, $80 million. Wow. Um, reminder, the salary cap is a myth. No, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, just, it's insane because now they re-signed Stafford. They re-signed Aaron Donald. They locked up Jalen Ramsey. And now they got Cooper Cup uh, locked up. Like, how do you do that? If also, add on, add on top of that, Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. Yep. It's and even Renfro, know. like Renfro with the Raiders. They they're paying uh, uh, Aaron, uh, who'd they get? Devontae Adams. Yeah, the Jamal Adams. I mean, Devontae. How do they have Devontae? I'm sorry, I'm just yes. all over the place. I'm not good with names. Yeah. Um, but how do they get this money? <laughs> I, mean, I get the Raiders getting the money. Because who else – the thing with the Raiders I'm realizing is this. Who else you paying on the roster? Uh, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Carr. D- Darren uh, Waller. Who's yeah, Darren Waller. Who's their, who's their running back? Well, they declined the player option on Josh Jacobs. Can be oh, Okay. Yeah, they signed Kenyon Drake to that really weird contract. They just brought in Chandler Jones. Yeah, I did see that. From the Cardinals. Um, but still, it's – it's one of those things. I get the Hunter Renfro contract, and what a it wasn't out absurdly big as well. Like he, it was a reasonable contract, thirty-two million. He had a thousand-yard season and nine touchdowns this yeah. year. He was their go-to last year. Um, pro Bowler. Yeah, absolute Pro Bowler, and he stepped up after the Henry Ruggs incident uh, in the middle of last season, becoming the Raiders, like you said, top option. Um, yeah. And now with Darren Waller and of course Devontae Adams, Renfro doesn't have to be the one. He can be yeah. the two. And he is going to be a very good wide receiver in this league. And Renfro was one of those guys when he came in where we were like, eh, he's okay. Like, he's doing all right. But now, you know, after last season, he really stepped up and was a key part of that Raiders offense, and he will be for the next two seasons. Uh, that's really it for the NFL. Kind yeah. Of a, kind, of a quiet, uh, kind of a quiet NFL week. Definitely. Um. Let's shift to the NHL. Uh, another late game comeback by the Bolts. Uh, they now have a 3-2 series lead heading back to Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. If yes. they win game six tomorrow night, they will be going to their third straight Stanley Cup final. Yeah, um, they really, I mean, after that second game, was it, oh, was it 2-0 or was it 2-1? It was 2-0. It was 2-0. Okay, so yeah. – I mean, after that second game, they came probably all together and were like, all right, we can't let this happen. <laughs> it was that one Jacob Truba penalty when they yep. had that, that four-minute you know, double minor and yep. Truba took that penalty. It has been all Tampa since. Um, Palazza beast. And he is. He, I believe he, he scored again very late. Last night. Uh, yeah. yeah, last night. Uh, so game six heading to 
Tampa. I think Tampa wins it, honestly. Um, which as much as I don't like the Rangers, I'd like to see a, a New Jersey, New York, tri-state area team make a difference. That's what that's what I'm realizing. Like it's it's been a while since the Rangers were were this close, right? To um to the uh, to the Cup final. Yeah, and even if they don't win the Cup final, as long as they're there, is, I'd be I'd be okay with that. I mean, well, even if they go out there and lose like five nothing tomorrow. I think this is still a successful season for them. Oh, 100%. I don't think anybody thought they would make it this deep in the playoffs. Oh, especially this quickly. Yeah. Um, but the big story coming out of the game was a video that came out on Twitter. Yep. Um, a Rangers fan sucker punched uh, a, a Lightning fan. <laughs> knocked them out. <laughs> upon leaving uh, Madison Square Garden, the, uh, the person has been caught. Oh, he was caught. Oh, yeah, they oh they caught him real quick. Wow, like that. I realized, like, I'm like, do you have cameras everywhere, dude? Everywhere, yeah. And everywhere. then all of that. What I mean, that one guy was filming. I'm sure he wasn't the only guy filming. No, it's crazy how he got like uh, that perfect moment where it was just before he was turning around and, and punching. And security got there quick. Oh yeah, well I'm sure they were all over the place in there. I mean, anywhere in New York City right now, there's going to be heavy, heavy security. The assailant was arrested and charged with two counts of assault, two counts of disorderly conduct, as well as two counts of harassment. Yeah, and I didn't, when I was watching the video, I didn't see that, like, lightning fan really, like, taunting that much. Like, he had his hands in the air. That's the thing. That's, (laughs) from the video that got leaked, well, I wouldn't say leaked, but the video that was posted on Twitter. Yeah. We all in the hockey community, everybody on this podcast who's not here, we all talked and we all agreed on the fact that the Tampa guy really didn't say no. virtually anything. I mean, I, I'd argue that Tony walking out of the Vegas arena should have been punched more than that guy. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, cause Tony was going around screaming at these fans. Like Tony, Tony. welcome to the, welcome to the draft lottery and all this. Tony, stuff. He was Tony. talking to everybody. It was hilarious. Tony, but, but they were very, Tony almost got in a fight the Mets game we went at. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we were at last year. Uh, but, yeah, um, kudos to security who responded very quickly to the yeah. matter. I'm surprised they got him. I'm sure. I mean, I'm surprised that guy didn't start running as fast as he could to get the fuck out of there. Oh, he did. He he boogied on out of there. Oh, did he? Yeah. I, I, I just saw I saw him, like, speed walking in the video, so I didn't know if he, like, started sprinting after or what, but – um, that, that guy was out cold f- for at least the entirety of that video, and I'm sure a few minutes after, because it seemed like he hit his head pretty hard from, on uh, the from, ground. From reports, they said five minutes afterwards he was out. Wow. Cold. Um, again, that can't be – I can't confirm that, but that's what was reported on. Probably it. a rough estimate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of fans and uh, and their, you know, their rowdiness. Yeah. Game three of the NBA Finals. So what happened with this? So long story short, there was some there was some chance being directed at Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors players. Okay. Uh, for their various, um, for what Boston fans were saying during game three of the NBA Finals, a game that was won by the Boston Celtics, giving them a two-to-one series lead. Uh, game four is tonight, actually, uh, yep. in a couple hours. Uh, they won 116-100 over the Warriors. 
uh, Tatum 26, Jalen Brown 27, Al Horford 11. Yep. Um, but a lot of this came from the players. Yeah. Um, well, Curry also did not have a great fourth quarter as well. I want to point that out. But there were some, some things that were said. And I want to actually play this quote, this video from, from Clay Thompson. This was a quote directly from Clay Thompson. It's a 12-second video talking right. about his reaction to some of the things that were said uh, by the Boston fans. It was not a factor. We played in front of rude people before, dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd. Real classy. Good job, Boston. I don't know. He acts like nobody goes to sporting events and talks shit. That's what, and that's it's one not of the just Boston things. that you have people in the crowd screaming fire, like you know, f you and all this other stuff. It's everywhere. People get passionate about these teams. Yeah, more so in Boston than you know, in Boston and New York more than any other you know area. And this is what I wrote down in my notes for this. Has Clay Thompson ever played in Boston before? Like, I don't know. This is nothing new. No, I mean, it's something that happens regularly during the regular season. It's happened a lot more this year and last year as well. I mean, you saw a lot of things last year after the pandemic with people throwing stuff, at, you know, Kyrie and other things like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's it's nothing really that new to be in the stands and screaming obscenities at, at the players. It's just it happens all the time. Not saying that it's right, but I mean, people get into it and they're they're diehard fans like as we are with our teams and things are going to be said you just got to be able to that's the whole point of being a professional is being able to put your head down and go and win that game and there are also quotes from uh draymond green as well mm. uh, giving his thoughts about um what the boston crowd said but this is this is the crux of the situation here we've seen the warriors players flip off the crowd before specifically draymond green yeah. It's a double standard. Yeah. If that's, you could do it, they could do it. That's the thing. You know, don't talk about class and what fans can or cannot say. And that's just bulletin board stuff for Boston now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in a series that we have been looking forward to for a while, you know, this is a this is a series that we had predicted as early as like four years ago. Yeah. The 2018 finals, we had Cat or Warriors Celtics. 2017, we had Warriors Celtics. Yep. I didn't think it'd be this violent between the two fan bases. Or this, this I'm surprised it is, honestly, because they never really play each other that much. So, like the fact that they're having all this bad blood between each other and and, and with between the fans, it's a bit quite shocking, honestly. Yeah, and I'm very curious to see what the fan reaction is tonight. Yeah, are they in? Uh, are they in Boston again? They're in Boston again. Then going back to Golden State. That one, I'm a little bit more interested to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, now that I know they're in Boston, this pisses me off even more. Why is this game starting at nine o'clock? I have no idea. That game should be starting at seven o'clock. I don't care. It should be starting at seven. I'll. I'd say eight because you still have to get that West Coast market because I guess starting at right. seven. Eight o'clock is reasonable. Eight o'clock, that marks a five o'clock start for the West Coast. Yes. The, the thing is this, right? This is my issue with there being a team so far on the West Coast versus a team playing so far on the East Coast. Hmm. 
you know, you have to find that middle ground. And for the East Coast, I don't think nine o'clock is that it. middle ground. No. I think you got pu- got to push it back. Especially because I mean, out of the playoff series, like between hockey and NBA, it's the only thing on tonight. So why yeah, this- why are you putting it on at a point on a work? Well, no, it's Friday. Yeah. That's like a huge boy. Nine o'clock for East Coast for a lot of people, you know, they're getting off a long week of work. They're not trying to sit down at 10 o'clock and watch this game. And here's the thing I'm going to be watching this game tonight. I know you're going to be watching the Met game, but you might tune, tune into this for about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, well, I'll probably start at uh, the beginning yeah. of the game because Mets are on a 10, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And plus, I think if anything was going to get really uh, set or, or crazy from the fans, I think it's going to be within the first hour or so. Um, I think the, I think the Warriors win tonight. I think if they don't, I think you got a big time issue on your hands, and I think Boston's going to become NBA champions for the first time. I'd be okay with Boston. It's been a while, believe it or not, since this because considering how good the Celtics have been, uh, they haven't won an NBA championship since two thousand eight. Wow! So it's been fourteen years. Yeah. So I think I think the Warriors win because I think they feed off that energy um, from the fans and, you know, kind of use it against them, but still a hostile environment. And I know one Warriors employee uh, said that he wasn't going to wear his Warriors shirts uh, out in public in Boston, based on how, how um, intense the city is towards the, um, the finals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, game four, that's tonight. Uh, I'll be watching. Zach will probably be tuned in for a little bit. Um, anything else you want to discuss? On uh, well, I just got a notification about an Odell Beckham tweet talking about the NBA. What do you say? He said, shit is disgusting. I'm no longer friends with anybody in NBA because y'all just getting it too easy. Y'all uh, got my hot. <laughs> that's what he said. That is from Odell Beckham Jr., who I yes. would like to remind people is currently not signed to a team. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yep. he's a free agent. Um, but I wanted to take this last little bit because Zach and I are the only two NASCAR guys on this podcast. Yep. You ready for this weekend at Sonoma? I am. I heard uh, there's an F1 uh, driver starting uh, on the grid this week. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Jimmy Raikkonen. Um, yes, Raikkonen. Raikkonen's going to be a Watkins Glen. Oh, oh, so it's not Sonoma? Damn, I, I it's, not, it's not Sonoma, but he's going to okay. be, you know, he's making that start for uh, for Trackhouse in the 91. Yep. Uh, Cole Pern's back with Truex. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's going right. to be an engineer. No, I, I love all these road courses, especially Sonoma and Watkins Glen, the classics. And then uh, big week with uh, F1 as well with uh, the street, ra- uh, street race at Baku. I was, was saying the practice that this morning, and that t- that track is just so damn cool. I was gonna say I wanted to watch practice, never could. Um, what was it like? It's it's a great track, man. I mean, I, I play the F one game, so I know a little bit about it. Uh, it's like the turns, but there's this one turn where you're coming in, and it's like the most narrow left, quick right, quick left, and then quick right next to a castle looking building. And it's just the atmosphere at these, at these, at this track, at least, very cool. F one has really begun to pick up. Yeah, and I, I, all because of Netflix. Yep, 
Uh, that that show on Netflix is unbelievable. And Drive it's really, to Survive. I've heard great yeah. things. Oh, gotta, you definitely watch it. it I got to catch up on that. The last four years, that's why I've been following them so much. Like, uh, is because of that show. It's just you get into the drama of these teams, and you got some American teams. You got Haas uh, from NASCAR as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're you know low tier for Formula One for sure. Yeah, because obviously their their focus is more on the Cup Series over yes. over in the states. Yep. But yes, Sonoma, really excited. Sonoma's going to be great. I, I love Sonoma. I think they, they changed the course of at Sonoma the last Yeah, they're two, going back right? to the old uh, yeah. the layout that we're going to You know, I played the latest uh, NASCAR game, and I played Sonoma, and I was so confused. Right? Like, what is this track? I was like, this is totally new. Yeah, like, I'm trying to figure this out, and because we've seen so many great Sonoma finishes with the yep. old layout, and so many great races there with the uh, the old format. They decided to bring it back. It was very popular. Yeah, and I'm glad. I think it's going to be a little wrench in the works for a lot of these drivers who have come to know yeah. uh, Sonoma as it was. Yeah, and of course the road course wild card aspect yes, of everything. Of I have I have Truex winning this weekend. I can't see him losing with Cole Pern there. I'm still going to stick with Elliott. He's just. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, he he's good at road courses. Like he dominated most of them last year. So yeah. I'm going to stick with Elliot for this. Yeah, he, he won two road courses last year. He won Circuit of the Americas and Road America. Larson actually won uh, all the other sides won, which was won by Christopher Bell yeah. uh, back in early uh, the second race of the year last year at Daytona. So that's going to do it for this episode of Too Many Men. Hopefully we get a more full crew. Oh, we should. I mean, we get Tony and Tyler back from Florida tomorrow, I believe. Yes, they will be back tomorrow. They should be um, on the road soon, probably. John is probably going to be coming back as well. Yep. So we're going to have a much more full uh, layout. Thank you for sticking with me and Zach yep. uh, for this episode, as well as uh, on Tuesdays. Please, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's good to talk about, you know, our teams, what we like to see. What well, it's like to talk. It's nice to talk about the Mets without having Tony and Tyler. <laughs> without having any backlash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but- Every episode of the Too Many Men Sports Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, we will be back early next week, hopefully Tuesday, with another episode of Too Many Men. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Ah.